We'd like to thank Mainspring Companies for sponsoring Season 1 of The Next Entrepreneur. Uh, Mainspring celebrates the entrepreneurial journey, and we are very grateful for their support. Welcome to The Next Entrepreneur. I'm your host, Andrew McClendon. I'm here with our producer, Daniel Sagona, and we're happy to bring you our first episode of The Next Entrepreneur. It is our goal in this podcast to introduce you to a wide variety of entrepreneurs and um, hear their stories. Uh, I am an entrepreneur. I started my business uh, 30 years ago. And um, over the years have grown into a family of companies. Um, and I am just now uh, at a point in my career where I am probably having the most fun ever in uh, growing new businesses, starting new businesses, and um, expanding the services of our original uh, companies. So I am an entrepreneur. I... Uh, I love what I do. I love the journey. And I have found that I enjoy talking with other entrepreneurs so much. I'm having a whole lot of fun with this podcast. So um, we have uh, interviewed uh, about 10 uh, entrepreneurs up to this point, And we have some fantastic stories coming your way. Uh, you know, I'll tell you my philosophy, Daniel, on this podcast I kind of relate it to um, the things that I read about business. So what I mean by that is I read a lot of uh, biographies. I read a lot of business biographies. And uh, in many instances, you know the outcome of the story. You know that that entrepreneur reached a great level of success and that's why a biography was written about them but in reading the biography you learn about so many points along their journey where you're like oh my goodness how did they work their way out of this how did they survive you know this particular situation and it just goes to show you that every entrepreneur's journey is uh, one of a lot of ups and a lot of downs. Um, it's survival and um, it's growth, it's excitement. It's it's it, they make for great stories. Now to contrast that to other types of uh, business books, and I'll pick on so for example self help books. And uh, I've never been a big self help book reader. Um, they just don't really resonate with me, and, and I've never really made much headway on those. So I like reading about the stories. And in this podcast, that's what I'm aiming to do is to tell the stories. We're not here as cheerleaders uh, in the way that a self-help book would be, but more to share stories. So let me share a little bit about my story. Um, I started 30 years ago in the commercial building construction business. Started with zero capital and uh, gradually uh, 
built our business from the very smallest projects. I started my business when I was uh, married, had two small children, house note, two car notes, and um, and it was actually in a down market. But it was time for me to move on from where I was working previously. I worked for a uh, a mid-sized commercial building contractor, and and I, it was my time to to make my move. I was 27 years old, and um, so I uh, started there, and we gradually built our business up to where we were then doing uh, meaningful jobs in the commercial markets and uh, building uh, buildings and uh, churches and schools and office buildings and hospital renovations and um, truck stops and car washes and gas stations and things like that. Um, and so we did that uh, and have done that for a very long time. But we got to a point then where our clients reached out to us and they needed for us to help maintain their uh, buildings that we had built for them. So ultimately, we created a commercial building maintenance uh, business, which was branded separately. And then what followed that was an automation business, uh, which started um, with us working in uh, distribution facilities, um, and we got into conveyor system installation. So we were the mechanical install contractors, and we've done that now for... 20 years. Uh, we then got into real estate development, uh, creating and developing subdivisions, uh, building uh, townhome projects and office development projects. And um, then we, uh, we got into uh, an equipment leasing uh, business. Uh, which is uh, initially focused on uh, generator systems, uh, but has transitioned over the years to be equipment that's used in the e-commerce industry uh, in the distribution centers. So we also uh, grew our e-commerce business uh, in in other ways, and we started a, another company that provides facility services inside of e-commerce facilities. Uh, and then we uh, added two companies just in the last year. One is a testing and inspection service that works in the e-commerce industry. And then finally, we started uh, this production company that produces this podcast that also does our marketing videos for our companies. Um, as well as for third parties. So um, we employ uh, strong managers, uh, strong leaders, um, and um, in doing so, uh, I'm able to um, go in and out of each company and um, give now my input from my years of experience and just having the time of my life. A um, whole lot of fun right now. Uh, I would say outside of that uh, work, I um, should have mentioned that I'm a husband and a, a father of three. Uh, 
I have three grandchildren and um, very grateful for the life that I have. And we also um, run a charitable project called the McClendon Family Foundation in which we provide adaptive bikes for children with special needs. So um, these are children with spina bifida and cerebral palsy uh, and conditions like that in which the children have balance issues and they can't really ride two-wheel bikes. So uh, we uh, provide uh, adaptive bikes. They're bikes that typically will have a high seat back. They may have a, a harness system that hold the child in if they have core strength issues. They'll have steering and braking mechanisms from the rear for the caregiver to help push and steer and guide the bike. And um, so we started that 12 years ago, and um, we have done about 325 adaptive bikes. So these bikes range in cost from around uh, average around $2,500. so we have uh, gotten a lot of support from the community, from friends, from foundations that have supported us, and uh, we have a big time with that project. And um, I have a wonderful program manager uh, helping me with that, and um, it's a real big part of what I do day in and day out. So um, that's where... We, um, an example of uh, what I like to call social entrepreneurism. So we will be talking not only with entrepreneurs in the, in the business inter- industry, but we will talk with um, uh, social entrepreneurs, uh, people who are doing really meaningful things um, that benefit society and... Um, so we're really, really excited about it. Uh, super pleased with the uh, interviews that we've done to date and really excited about uh, the long-term potential of this project. So, Daniel, that's that's kind of what I was going to uh, start off with, and that's my elevator speech there. <laughs> what else do uh, you think we need to bring to our first-time listeners on our first episode's attention. So I think what's interesting to me is hearing about, like, how the company's expanded. It seems like you started with construction, and then you noticed, oh, there's a need here right. for this. And then that became something else, and then it just sort of – it seems like it's just constantly been growing outwards. Is that – is that the process? Like, how do you decide, like, you've started, like, 10 different businesses, right? Yeah, so the like, thing, yeah, good question. So the thing to me is um, it's all about opportunities. And secondly, it's about branding, right? So um, when you're growing a business, you would like to, um, you know, continue to grow it in any way that you can. The, the lowest hanging fruit is to continue doing what you're doing, right? If you build buildings, continue to build buildings. But other opportunities present themselves. For example, you can then get to a point where buildings need to be maintained. And, and so you can, um, there's a, you know, a second level of opportunity that's created there. 
So um, what follows that to me, which is critically important, is branding. So there's some companies that will grow their services, but they will continue to do that under their original company name. And so that company ends up doing more and more um, services. I uh, am of the philosophy that, that if those are standalone services, that they should be branded separately. And um, because typically each of those services require... Uh, you know, employees with different skill sets. And so, um, you know, uh, the guys that we have that may be building buildings or, um, you know, forming foundations will be different guys than who are maintaining uh, a building. MBD Automation is a conveyor and automated equipment installation contractor performing work in the e-commerce fulfillment centers, distribution centers, airports, and mail processing facilities. We have an experienced team of professional managers and technicians and are performing this work for over 20 years. We've worked in 38 states for the largest e-commerce companies in the world. If you have received a letter, package, or parcel delivered to your door, it may have been processed on a conveyor installed by our team. MBD Automation is a proud supporter of the Next Entrepreneur podcast. You want to you want to make sure that um, you are communicating to your clients like these this company and these guys within this company are the guys that specialize in doing what you need them to do right now: maintain your building, or install a conveyor system, or inspect your. Uh, uh, your facilities. And, um, and I think that by having these different brands, uh, you are, to me, it's a lot more appealing and I think it's a lot more effective in communicating to your clients. You know, if you're the guy that tries to do everything, then, um, that doesn't come across nearly as effectively, but each one of these companies is made up of, of employees that are experts in, in their, in their field. So, um, I just love branding. Um, I love the whole process of creating, um, and identifying, maybe is a better word, identifying the opportunities. And then what is the, what is the best way to maximize that opportunity? And, you know, I think sometimes when people think of businessmen or women and they think that um, that the main goal is to make money, I, 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 in my experience, that's not really the case for most op- entrepreneurs. Um, what I sense from uh, the people that I talk to and certainly what I feel from myself is there is a, 
this sense of gratitude and enjoyment in like identifying the opportunity and then figuring out everything that it takes to make that happen. And usually it's this huge puzzle and you have to work really hard to figure it out. And then, and then that there's just comes, you know, a lot of joy in in doing that. That's the fun. Now, if you can do that and profit, then that's what makes it worthwhile. Of course, if you didn't profit, then you couldn't afford to continue to do it. But um, any financial gain that comes from an entrepreneurial endeavor typically is just a side benefit, um, I think, for most true entrepreneurs. Um, so... Um, yeah, it's all about identifying the opportunities and then branding them. And to me, that's just, that's why I'm having so much fun. I just love it. So it's more about the process. Yeah. Absolutely. Not the, in, well, the end result matters, but you're doing it because you love the process. Yeah. You know, another thing, Daniel, and this is off, off this subject, but it's something uh, I've thought about a lot um, in, in creating this podcast uh, and it's what, what is it about an entrepreneur that makes them tick? And I think, uh, of, uh, when I think of myself, I think back of like, when is the earliest I can remember there being an entrepreneurial thought? And I like to ask our guests this, and it's, we get some really really intriguing answers and some some wild stories but i'll tell you mine um because i didn't realize it until i thought about it years and years later maybe 30 years later but when i was about seven years old i was going with a friend i was going with their family to florida and and back in that day, <clears throat> we would drive along the, it was before the interstate. We would drive along the, uh, the coast road, Highway 98, I believe it is. And we would go through Waveland, Mississippi. And in Waveland, Mississippi, there was a souvenir shop. I think it was a, a gas station and souvenir shop. And in front of that souvenir shop, there was a chain link fence that was about eight feet wide and 12 feet long and six feet tall. And inside that chain link fence, it's a little cage, that's what it was. There was hundreds and hundreds of conch shells. You know what a conch shell looks like? They have that beautiful, you know, polished finish on the inside. And, you know, if you hold your ear up to them, you can hear the ocean. Um, And as a seven-year-old, I didn't really know what they were. I knew when I looked at them, they were beautiful, right? But looking back on my seven-year-old self, what I remember thinking was, I don't know what those things are, but I don't want one. Because if they don't care enough about those things, then to just leave them outside in a in a this chain-link cage, uh, where they're all just stacked up, um, they're just 
they must not be that special. And I remember thinking, if I was selling them, I'd have like three or four of them on the shelf inside and the rest of them in a, in a storeroom in the back somewhere. <laughs> and I didn't. At seven. Yeah. And I remember thinking back on that and going, oh, my God, that was just totally entrepreneurial, you know. Um, it was a story about supply and demand and, and you know, how you create um you know, that sense of demand, I guess, or, uh, but I drove by that chain link fence filled with those conch shells years and years later. At some point, our family had a camp down there on the Mississippi coast, and those conch shells had disintegrated. They were still in that chain link fence 20 and 30 years later. They were protected. They were right on the beach road, but they were in front of the building so that as storms and hurricanes even would have come across, you know, uh, the beach there, they were kind of protected and didn't get flooded away or anything. And they were just a pile of crumbling mess, you know, literally... 20 and 30 years later, and uh, I was like, you know what? They never sold those damn things, <laughs> you know? So um, I'm sure I, right there on the beach, you could probably just pick them up anyway. Like, well, I, you know, I don't know. I don't really know. These were big things. These were big conch shells. They're, they're the things I think of from like Key West or something, you know, where I think of that because they serve conch fritters and stuff down yeah. there. But, uh, I, you know, I don't remember, like, really seeing them as I got older, in, you know, uh, in those waters. But I guess they were. Um, but, look, I like to ask our guests that question of them remembering um, their first entrepreneurial experience. And usually I give them a little heads up on that a few days before so they can – spend some time thinking about it. Uh, we've got some wonderful responses, says I really love that. Um, but I tell you, um, hearing uh, the stories from our guests so far has just been the greatest joy for me. And, uh, you know, from other serial entrepreneurs, you know, people who will do one thing, uh, and they'll do that for a while, and they'll sense a change in the market, and they'll get out, and they'll move on. They'll move to a different market or a different product and change the different businesses that they're in over their career, you know, from real estate to manufacturing, and it's just fascinating. Um, we had a fantastic interview with uh, an artist, in Croatia, a world-renowned artist, Savanomir Mahanovic, in his studio in Croatia. Um, and you may not think of a uh, an artist as an entrepreneur until you hear his story. Um, very entrepreneurial. Um, we talked with a, uh, a, uh, a serial-type entrepreneur in Scotland, uh, Chris Rowley. And uh, and many other guys, CEOs out of New York and 
and serial entrepreneurs out of uh, Baton Rouge and uh, just super excited about our upcoming guests that we have lined out. So I am uh, really enjoying this uh, podcast. I'm really enjoying working with you, Daniel, and and we've had a whole lot of fun so far. So looking forward to uh, this first season and uh, hearing some wonderful stories. Our, our goal here is to um, hopefully build a base of budding uh, entrepreneurs and as well as seasoned entrepreneurs that really just love hearing the conversations uh, from both business entrepreneurs and social entrepreneurs and uh, the things that they have done in their lives, the lessons that they've learned, the hurdles that they've had to cross, the, the uh, situations they, get, they got trapped in and how they worked their way out and their successes and certainly not trying to uh, just tell you know, everything turns to gold type stories. Uh, we, we, we're really digging into uh, the tough times as well as the good times. And, you know, with the global recession of 2008, you know, um, not that too far in the distant past, um, that impacts most people's stories and, and certainly impacted mine. Um, but we all live to be stronger and, and, um, so we are looking forward to this season getting underway, and we look forward to you joining us on our next episode, which we will call episode number one. Anything else we need to add here, Daniel, before we sign off? I think that's it. Okay. All right, folks, we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.